0: You know what we do on this podcast? Hi, I'm Rick Sanchez. This is Rick Sanchez News. We we talk about Latino truths. And man, if there's ever been a Latino truth, it's this story that's been brought to light when somebody decided to cast James Franco as Fidel Castro in the movie that is really the story of uh, his daughter, right? Alina Fernandez. Alina Fernandez Revuelta is her real name. Good friend of mine, by the way. She and I have uh, been talking for many years. I haven't talked to her in a while, by the way, but she is somebody who came to the United States and everybody realized it was Fidel Castro's daughter. It was a lot of hoopla at the time. Still is, I guess. Look, she's getting this movie done. Movie looks wonderful. I mean, this looks like a great story. A woman who grows up in Cuba doesn't even know that her mom slept with Fidel Castro, that she is the daughter of Fidel Castro. I think she finds out like when she's 11 years old. And then, you know, uh, what's it like? I mean, What's it like to be the daughter of that guy, Fidel Castro? Wow, right? That's a that's a fascinating story in and of itself. And it opens up an opportunity for an, a, an actor in the United States, and you would think a Latino actor to get some of those key roles, especially. The role of Fidel Castro, el caballo, el comandante, the man, the guy that everybody always thinks about when they think of revolutionaries, right? And, and 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 more than half of them hate this dude because he's a communist and he's an autocrat and all the other stuff, while other people around the world think he's a hero because he fought the man. That's Fidel Castro. It is a hell of a role. And who do they give it to? James Franco, not a Latino, right? One more time, all together here, right? James Franco, not a latino and you're thinking so what that's what acting is all about right you don't play you you play somebody else why can't james franco play fidel castro and the answer is you're right there's nothing the hell wrong with james franco playing fidel castro nothing at all except for this
1: all right look i got no problems with james franco yo okay So y'all just calm down. I I grew up in an era where Latin people couldn't play Latin people on film, where Charlton Heston played a Mexican, where Eli Wallach played Mexican, where Pacino played Cuban and Puerto Rican.
0: Stop right there. That is John Leguizamo. He's making a lot of news right now. And when I said because of this, the, the point that he's making and the point that you're about to hear him make is the following point. yes. And you hear him said, look, I got no problems with James Franco. He's got no problems with James Franco. I don't think anybody has a problem with James Franco, except some of those young girls, which he, you know, exploited, abused, or take advantage of. But that's another story. And by the way, if a Latino had done what James Franco is accused of doing, I know this is a little bit of a sidebar here. I apologize, but I got to say it. James Franco, who is being given this role as this great role as a, Fidel Castro is in one hell of a controversy involving something he did and admits to doing with young girls. And I'm telling you right now that if John Leguizamo had done that or a Latino had done that, he would not be given this role by Hollywood producers. Uh-uh. He would not be getting these roles. But I digress. Uh-uh. I digress. And and we'll we'll visit that a little bit more, this whole James Franco. He set up an acting school where he seemed to have lured young girls into the acting school, and then he slept with most of them and essentially used the acting school as a way of uh, endearing himself, I guess. And he admits, look, I I wish I hadn't done it. I'm sorry. I screwed up. I was drunk. I was high. I don't know. I was into drugs. I'm trying to fix myself. Lost his friendship with Seth Rogen because even his buddy Seth Rogen thought, you know, that he was a bit of a scumbag and he admits to being a bit of a scumbag now. But, you know, and that's good that he's coming forward and saying, I made a mistake and I shouldn't have done it. But still, he did it. And he's now being rewarded by, from, by Hollywood with this role, as some would see it. I don't want to cancel people because they make mistakes in their lives, but it's important to note that it just, it's part of this story, right? It's part of this narrative that we're now talking about where James Franco gets this key role in Hollywood. And here comes John Leguizamo and not just John Leguizamo. There's others. I'll read them to you in just a bit, but here comes John Leguizamo. And he says, it's not about James Franco. It's about this. It's about the fact that we as Latinos in the United States, and this is really important. You know, make up 20% of the population of the United States, and Hollywood casts us 5% of the time in movies. And I could say the same thing about media. So we're 20% of the population, but only 5% of those cast in movies in Hollywood. And of that 5%, 37% of the time, how are Latinos cast? As criminals. And then another very large number, when they're not cast as criminals, how are they cast? as losers, as people without triumph in their life, as people who are, you know, not substantial, inconsequential. Yeah, that's how Latinos are cast in Hollywood when they are cast. So that's the backdrop. Latinos are saying, you never cast us in good roles. And when finally a good role comes around, that's interesting and deep. You don't give it to us. You give it to this guy. You give it to some other guy so it's not about franco
1: and and listen let's let's pick this up go ahead where ben affleck even in argo played a a latin guy and marisa tomei played latin women and and we couldn't play our own roles even they were there was brown face you know people painting themselves to look latin and in west side story eli wallach and the wild bunch that's the era i grew up in the era where. They told you to change the name, stay out of the sun, that only white Latinos or white passing Latinos would get jobs. And they weren't even the main leads because every time you ask for a main lead, they go, but there's no Latin actor who can carry that movie. Yeah, because you're never given the opportunity to play anything that was of worth, that had worthy value, that was of integral part of the plot that could give you box office. So no, no. uh, uh, Appropriating our stories, no, no more of that. I love
0: that. Yeah. Say it again, John, appropriating our stories. No, no, no more of that. Right. And and that's the point he's making. I mean, y- y- you take our stories and you don't let us be involved with them. And then you involve us in stories where we're only cast as bad guys. And that's, that's the general point that's being made by John Legazamo here. And, and, and by others, uh, by the way, I mean, um, John Legazamo is not the only one. Jess Darrow is saying, you know, WTF, writes Jess Darrow. What the fuck, right? And uh, this is the voice of uh, Luisa Madrigal in Encanto, remember? She says, I'm sorry, but what in the actual F-U-C-K? That's Raul Castillo. He wrote that on Instagram. You know? Here's uh, not... Uh, This is Saul Rodriguez, uh, another actor, coming forward and saying, not me reading that James Franco will have to build an accent for Castro. Please, Uh, am I reading this, that James Franco will have to build an accent for Castro when my entire life I've been made fun of for not speaking English like an American and I've been told countless times to work hard to get rid of it? Writes Saul Rodriguez. Right Here's another one, Jeff Torres. Says, I'm auditioning for another generic Latin American drug dealer role. (laughs) And James Franco is dead-ass playing Fidel Castro, writes Jeff Torres on Twitter. Latinos getting done dirty out here and everywhere. Damn. L-O-L. Laugh out loud. says... Says uh, Jeff Torres. So, yeah, you know, the, the the acting community, the Latino acting community is upset about this. And again, the argument is not that a guy who isn't Latino can't play the role of a Latino. What they're saying is it happens all the time. And what's worse is Latinos are only cast one way and told we can't have too many of you in a movie. Hell, like I told you the other day in a podcast we were doing the other day, my wife and I were sitting up watching shows on Netflix as we often do, and um, and show after show set in New York City in a restaurant in New York City, <laughs> and they go in and they and they, and they zoom into the in, into the kitchen where people are working and there were no Latinos working in the kitchen in a restaurant in New York City. Uh-huh. This is how Hollywood did this. I mean, we're watching a show on Netflix. It's set in a restaurant in New York City uh-huh. and uh there's no Latinos inside working in the restaurant. Is that believable? Scotty Mednick, <laughs> you're there. I you know I ask you this because you work with me in um in the past, and I've, you've always told me what, it would, what it's like to work in restaurants because you've worked in restaurants yeah. much of your life. Is it yeah. believable that there would be no Latinos working in a kitchen, in a restaurant in New York City, by the way? Not only in New York City, but
2: in just about any major city or metropolitan area in the country. I mean, <laughs> they're everywhere. I mean, literally the backbone, especially in a kitchen. And this goes, again, to show the point of how out of touch at times Hollywood can be and why it's such an easy target for people
0: to hate. But but, 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 but wait, 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 wait. I'm sorry. I'm going to say this and maybe I'm going to get in trouble for this. It is not the same. I'm throwing my pen down. Ready? hear that? I'm throwing my pen down. It is not the same with other minority groups. I'm sorry. It's not even close, Rick. I mean, I have my gay American friends. I love them to death. My African-American friends. I love you to death. My, my, uh, you know, Indian American friends. I love you to death. You're all my buddies. We hang out together. We do things together. I see you in movies every night when I turn on the movies to watch Suzanne and I sit there on that big fat couch that we like to sit in what eating popcorn and watching movies from time to time. It's the last thing we do usually before we go to bed and we turn on all these movies and I see a lot of gay Americans and good for them. And I see tons of African-Americans these days and good for them. Hollywood has fir- finally learned its lesson when it comes to those groups. I see lots of Indian Americans in great roles and good for them. I'm happy for them. I do not see us. I do not no, see us plain no, and simple. We, I do know we are, we are 20 Scotty. We're 20% of the population. African-Americans are 12 uh, hey, gay you, Americans are supposedly three. Uh, Indian Americans are something like, like one and good. Again, please don't take this the wrong way. I'm happy for them. I'm really, I'm really, I love them. They're my buddies. I'm happy for them, but why them? Why not us? Is it unfair to ask that question? I I think it has a lot to do with conditioning. I say
2: that because I was born in the early eighties, raised in the eighties and the nineties. And for the most part, I was, I am white America. Uh, what I got to see is Latinos growing up with Speedy Gonzalez. Mm. I got to see Scarface, uh, Carlito's Way, Chiquita Banana, Frito Bandito. These are some of the representations that white America sees. And in our eyes, when we're being shown it, it's not offensive because what do we know? This is funny. It's, it's entertaining.
0: So you're talking like a white American kid growing up
2: as, in America? As a white American, it wasn't until... I moved to South Florida and even up in Jersey when I lived up in Jersey, when I started meeting other cultures and other people and, and experiencing different things. And not only seeing how these representations affected them, but what it did to my perception, because it made me realize that the perception that's been fed to me, that's, that I, I see things through is racist, is wrong. I, I, so so i say that because if you don't have those if, if those things don't change this is what you grow up and you become a casting director and you and you cast a, a franco as a castro or somebody like that because because in your head
0: you have speedy gonzalez about lat- latinos that's what you're that's saying it. that's in it. his head we are speedy gonzalez and we are uh you know de plane the plane the
2: plane boss another uh, great one yes uh, you know and i uh, and it's a lot more nuanced than that, but really at the back, you know, if you want to give the back of the envelope, that's kind of what it is. That's what it feels. That's fascinating. And here's the other that's thing I want to just say about that, because I was thinking about what Leguizamo said in the clip about growing up and seeing all these brown faces, so to speak. Could you imagine Tom Hanks being announced to play Barack Obama? <laughs> that would be outrageous. People would go bonkers. or Nobody would even in their right mind think, but like you said, why?
0: I'd like to meet the makeup artist who's going to do it. Could you imagine? <laughs> it's like, okay, that's not too crazy. So which shade of uh, dark whatever <laughs> are you putting on him to have him do that? And uh, and again, by the way, I don't want to be a jerk uh, here. No. Two things that No, there's two things that you and I have to say in this conversation, which are really important. A, this movie about mm-hmm. Alina Fernandez-Revolta, who is Fidel Castro's daughter, it sounds like a great movie, and they have yes. gone out of their way in this movie to cast writers who are Latino, Actresses who are Latino. The woman who plays Alina Fernandez is not uh an Anglo-European. She's no. she's a Cuban, she's a Latina. Right. Good for right. her. The director, Mexican, the writers, uh, I think Honduran Mexican. And so so they have done everything right, mm-hmm. it looks to me, except casting Franco as Fidel Castro, which is because it's such an important and you know, meaningful name, it's sending shockwaves throughout the latino community oh and by the way when i just said that almost everybody associated with this movie is latino and good for them for doing that the only people who are not latino can you guess who they are besides franco no the people associated with this movie yes besides franco who are not latinos guess who they are you don't know just say it i'll tell you i don't know no idea the casting director and the assistant casting director are, are good old-fashioned Americans.
2: <laughs> and, and that leads to what I was saying. It, it, <laughs> it could be. It
0: if could you think about a, it. It could just be a matter of somebody who grew up watching Speedy Gonzalez and said, "Now nah, we're not going to cast a Latino to play them." <laughs> <laughs>
2: see, the other thing that's interesting, though, anytime you have a, non, anytime you have a Latino character or, a, for lack of better words, a non-white character playing somebody that is perceived as a white character, the white community goes up and you know gets up in arms and rage think about when they announced that uh, idris elba might play james bond
0: oh he can't mm-hmm. play james bond he's black so so let's do this let's let's listen to uh, let give me clip 2 of uh uh john uh, legazamo he, here he is um uh, explaining why he's so angry about this and then he, he, you'll hear him kind of say i think what he says is something like look I, i'm done with it i'm just done with it uh and then he picks up and uh, then he goes on to say in this clip that for some reason, it only goes one way. Think about that. Yeah. It only goes one way. Go ahead.
1: Appropriating our stories? No, no more of that. Uh, I, I, I'm done with that. You know, um, why, why, why can't Bruno Mars be Mr. Hernandez or Oscar Isaac these days be Oscar Isaac Hernandez? Because they can't. I mean, I've been told so many times, we can't have two Latin people in the movie. Otherwise, people think it's a Latin movie. And you know how whatever however you want to finish that you know or or latin people don't want to see latin people they want to see white people in roles it's like that's what i've been told so that's what goes on in this industry and and it should be a equal playing field we should all be able to play whatever role but that's not the way it works it only goes one way okay that's that's just how it is
0: i gotta tell you he's right yeah i gotta tell you he's he's right and uh and, and I think that that's important. And I think that type of typecasting, which I just mentioned, I, you know, when my wife and I sit down and watch movies with my kids and we, we now see of African-Americans playing doctors and business people and professionals, and we see gay Americans playing doctors and professionals and business people and show after show now represents Indian Americans that way. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that they represent them that way, but not us, not. Us, not Latinos. For some reason, we're stuck on stupid when it comes to Latinos. And let me tell you a story. When I used to work at CNN, I had a show on CNN. I was the very first primetime anchor with some of the highest rated numbers Uh, For a show in the history of CNN, I had the president of CNN, John Klein, pull me aside and said, you are doing some of the most incredible numbers we've ever seen at this place. You know, especially your non-white numbers are historical, higher than anything we've ever done in the history of this network. So we were lucky enough, whether it was by hook or by crook or whatever the hell it was, or maybe because I invited people who normally wouldn't watch CNN at the time. It was a very staid, traditional channel. You know, when I was there, this was like, what, 2010 or something like that. And I was doing pretty cool numbers and I wasn't an actual primetime anchor, but what they kept doing was putting me in and saying, we need you to be the primetime anchor for six months while we look for another primetime anchor. And I would go in there and I would shoot the ratings up and then they gave the gig to somebody else, you know? Um, and then they, and then they give that gig to somebody and that person will go in and fail. And then they'd say the only person who seems to be driving the numbers is Rick Sanchez. So, 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 so go back in there, Rick, and do that again. And then they're going to give it to somebody else. Right. And, and that's what they kept doing. And I can't even remember the names of the, of the, of the people who they replaced me with. Do you remember any of those Scotty? Uh, was it Spitzer? Yeah. Spitzer was the last one. First. That it was, was the last uh, one. Um... Right. It was a very famous female they got from the networks and they gave it to her and she failed. And then they gave it to another famous female and then she failed. And then finally in the end, I said, well, every time you put it, you give it to a non-Latino, they don't do well. But every time I go there, the numbers go up. You keep telling me we're putting you there because you're the only one who knows how to raise the ratings. And I did. And then finally, when I thought they were going to give me the show, they gave it to Elliot Spitzer, who's a good guy, by the way, and a smart guy. And I know he had his problems in life, but so what we all do. And they gave him the gig. But I just said, why, why, why do you give shows? Like, do you not see me that way? And here's the story I want to share with you. This is a Latino truth. I want to share this with you because I think it's meaningful. And I think you're going to understand it. If if you're Latino, you're totally going to get it. If you're non-Latino, you're going to understand a little something about what we have to go through. I once had an executive at CNN say to me the following words. I was anchoring at the time, again, and doing very well. This is one of the day side shows I was doing. And he came up and he said, you know, I've been thinking. I think we need to create a correspondent role for you. By correspondent, he meant you're not going to be an anchor. You're going to be a reporter, which is kind of. In the end, look, correspondents and reporters are usually smarter and better journalists than the anchors. But still, the anchor role comes with a certain je of you know, it's a certain cachet of being an anchor. And by the way, you get paid a hell of a lot more for some reason. That's just the way the system is. But he was telling me, we don't want you to be an anchor. We want you to be a correspondent. And here was his explanation. Here's what he said to me. He said, you know, we want you to be like a John Quinonez. Now, John Quinones was a very good reporter, reporter, reporter who happened to be working on Dateline or NBC or 48 Hours or one of those, you know, doc shows that were very popular at the time. Great reporter, kind of a high profile guy, not an anchor. So what he was saying to me, what this CNN executive was saying to me was, you are a Latino. Latinos are reporters. Latinos are not anchors. You're a Latino. Know your place. Your place is to be a reporter. Your place is to be a correspondent or maybe a producer. We got producers who are Latino and we got a couple of those and we got, you know, we got a sprinkling. And, and we got this great little gig over here where you could just be a reporter and let the non Latinos be the anchors. At the time, by the way, and this has changed, but at the time it was all, you know, you what you call your basic white guys anchoring you know the anglo-europeans uh-huh. anchoring and there were no african americans there were no and there were no asians and there were no latinos there was a little a little a few of us and we'd work on weekends when they figured nobody can do any damage cuz nobody's watching tv and that that's that was the cnn way but those words to me you can be like a john quinones you can be like a john quinones was i'm sorry but When John Leguizamo says, I'm not going to take this anymore. That's what he's that's what's been told to him. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm sorry, but to a lot of Latinos, what they're saying is, know your place, know your place. And that's the frame of reference Latinos have right now in America as they look at this story. You know, look, we're, we're, we're not we're not we're not bad people. We're not We're not sitting here going, oh my God, I feel sorry for us because we didn't get the gig. No, we don't give a crap. We'll get another gig and we'll move on. That's not who Latinos are in this country. That's not what we're about. Mm. So, you know, I, I think of that because that was meaningful to me at the time. And I think a lot of people are not going to understand why these Latino actors are angry about mm. this situation, but that, I think, captures it. You know the story, Scotty. I've shared it with you in the past. Uh, yeah, I
2: know this story. And, and it does. It, it resonates exactly in the same way. And that's why representation is so important. And, and that's more of what Leg was almost saying. And that's why he said, look, I'm not mad at Franco, yo. He's basically saying, don't hate <laughs> the player, the actor. Hate the game, Hollywood. Mm. And, and it's as simple as that. As long as you don't have the proper representation up there, All white America sees is Speedy Gonzalez or the guy that cuts my grass or whatever other stereotypical view. Uh, I will give some credit, though, to Hollywood or whatever. I see a lot more representation to Latinos. Through my children's eyes now. I have a five-year-old and a two-year-old. So a yeah, like of- in
0: Canto, the, the, the,
2: Encanto, the Encanto right. is, is, is an amazing movie. My my son walks around and sees you know, the by story. the way,
0: we just did something that was really funny. I I anglicized it. I, I know you did Latino, ah. Right. I, I speak fluent Spanish and uh, I could go and laca 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 with the best yeah. of them right now. And I said en Encanto and then you came back with you know Josh grew you Jewish
2: <laughs> kid who grew up in Brooklyn or wherever the hell you were. Where Where's the where no, jersey brooklyn is my family so.
0: yeah it's, it's all the same up yeah there. it's all the same thing the old country no to just me kidding is brooklyn. <laughs> no but here here you are the, the gringo kid who grew up in the united states and you're looking in canto and here i'm saying in canto i just thought that was kind of funny hey,
2: no and that's exactly it but you got movies like Coco, the man's in Viva, my head Stephanie scotty Street.
0: i was get gonna say out. the man get the whitey out of there head.
2: rick get whitey out of your head man <laughs> Okay, oh. you were saying, I apologize. I <laughs> no, but what I'm, the point I'm trying to make is the representation that's starting to show to my children's generation, at least, beyond Dora the Explorer and things of that, it's starting to show that Latinos are more than just your stereotypes. Yeah. And I think that's important because as my kids become adults and they get jobs and maybe they're hiring, you know, they hire people, maybe they work in Hollywood as casting directors, they'll look and say, hmm, Castro, maybe we should get somebody Latino to represent him or maybe the Latino doesn't have to be a drug dealer or something like that. Uh, you know, just like they've done for black America, for Latino America and yeah. white America forever. I think that representation is the most important thing to change these things. And I think that's what Leg was talking about at the end you of the you think
0: – I've noticed lately there are a lot of African-Americans being cast in key roles. And like I said, I'm, I'm, I'm happy with that. And I think that's mm-hmm. great. I think it's representative of America and the melting pot that it is. But it seems like it's been happening um, at a very steady pace like maybe over the last, oh, five, six, seven years. I'm I'm wondering if, if you think the whole George Floyd, uh, Black Lives Matter movement really spurred this change. I think it's deeper than that. I think it's definitely a good spark to the
2: gas that's been happening within the black community for the most part. But I think it's been a very slow push. I mean, the representation of black people up into the last 15 years has been, again, drug dealers, you know, bad people, you but know, it has, rappers, but, but, lately, but, lately, no. but lately, but lately, no, lately, lately,
0: you- I, I look, I got to tell you, I turn on the TV. I see generally speaking, positive representations of uh, African-Americans and, and gay Americans and Indian Americans, even Muslim Americans. The only one uh, in fact, I, I will almost say this. Uh the two groups in the United States who usually don't get good representation are my wife and me. She's mm. uh, a hillbilly from yeah. Georgia. Uh Southerners are all, you know, treated on TV like they're all idiots, which they're not. No. And Latinos are all, you know, uh cast with a lawnmower in front of them or a knife or a gun. And that's I'm sorry man but prove me wrong. Try it.
2: I think once there's better representation overall, people will be less. I don't want to say sensitive because I don't want to make it sound like it's a, like it's not a real issue because it is. But I think once better representation overall, people will stop looking at things as, oh, well, because he's Southern, he's got to be, you know, he, he was born from his cousins. And, you know, things, you know, stupid, you know, stereotypes
0: of that nature. Keyword. Um, stop. Stop. Just stop right there. Keyword. Stop. R- stop everything. Stop everything you just said it what's the word stereotypes stereotype stereotypes. stereotype exactly latinos have been in america for 600 years we have been a part of the united states of america since before the pilgrims why is that not we part s- of it we we settled florida saint augustine was the first thanksgiving not plymouth rock santa fe was the second not plymouth rock the churches the christianity everything that some people associate with being american was founded by latinos and man we're treated like in hollywood and everywhere else like we got here yesterday you know and and what's the purpose why 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 is the
2: narrative i was going to say why is that the narrative though why is that why is the stereotype not that they're the backbone of this country, that they were here before the Pilgrims? I don't know. Is it a whitewashing thing?
0: Is it just like... Why Why, why is it? And, you know, by the way, I should apologize. If, I'm kidding when I call my wife a hillbilly because this is a little thing we do between ourselves. And I always say, you know, I married a hillbilly girl and I love my wife more than anything you could ever possibly imagine in this world. I could, I would be absolutely nothing without her. And we've been married... Uh, for 33 years, and one of the greatest things about our relationship and the beautiful children that we have uh, raised together, and now a granddaughter, yay, uh, is that they are a product of her being Mm -hmm. a, a, a young woman who grew up in Georgia of Irish and Swedish ancestry, and a guy who was an immigrant who came from Cuba and didn't know how to speak English, whose ancestors come from, I don't know, wherever the hell, Spain and Cuba and all of that, um, and 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 that's the beauty of who we are in America. But you're you're absolutely right. My my particular culture in America right now as a Latino is wrought is wrought with stereotypical thoughts and uh, and stereotypes that and labels that we have for some reason have had cast upon us, and and so are you know. You know, I, oftentimes I criticize Fox News because they're the first ones who criticize Latinos more than anybody else. Although right now they've been beaten by two other networks. I think one <laughs> of them is called OAN and another one is called Newsmax. They, nice. they, they, they're like Fox on steroids. They cannot do a story without saying something terrible about Mexicans and the border and they're coming to rape your daughter and all of that stuff, which is really horrible, too. But we'll mm-hmm. just put that aside for right now. You know, um, Fox News has a point when it decides to do stories that bring out who people from Alabama and Georgia and that part of the country are, and that they're not all toothless rednecks and that they're not all stupid and that they need to be Mm -hmm. also brought into the game and into the national conversation and the national discourse. Because for the most part, they too, I notice, are not. And they've been here well, not as long as Latinos, but almost as long. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, last time I checked, these states were settled, you know, as part, some of them are part of the original 13 colonies. And yet, you know, you get more credit if you're from California or Utah than you do if you're from, you know, the state of Georgia or uh, South Carolina. So, so, so look, it, it's not just us, but it's important that we look at these things and it's important that we have these conversations. You know, at this one.
2: Go ahead. I was, I was just going to say, when you described your family dynamic, it sounded more Brady Bunch to me, modern day Brady Bunch, than what Brady Bunch represented back in the 70s. Like, here's a story of a lovely lady from, <laughs> from Georgia. Here's a fella. He's an immigrant from Cuba. Like, it, that sounds like so much of, you know, that's another thing, by the way, I don't really see yeah. a lot on television is you're mixed Race, mixed ethnicity—that's who we are. We don't see it, but I mean, that's who a lot of America is. A lot of America is fifty percent this and fifty percent that, whether it yeah. be religion, you know, skin color, background, whatever it may be. And that is not represented until we can start re- showing better representation across the board. Somebody's always going to be on the shit end of the stick for the lack of. By the way, orders.
0: I, I want to share something now with our. I want to share something with you, Scotty, and I want to share oh. something with. Um, with you as well, who's listening about my particular story. And one of the reasons this story resonates so much with me, one of the reasons this story resonates so much with me has to do with the fact that I am one of the few people in the United States, and maybe one of the fewest, one of the few people in the world who's actually sat down and done an interview with Fidel Castro. I had an opportunity in 1990 to go to Cuba and interview fidel castro and this is put yourself in my shoes i'm a cuban kid who escaped communism and escaped from cuba who came to the united states his parents brought him here here i am like bob dole talking about myself in the third person but my mom and dad brought me to the united states and they made sacrifices and when we were growing up me and my brothers my mom and dad would always talk about fidel castro as if he was satan because in their eyes, he's the guy they left Cuba for and left everything behind and came to the United States to, to, to work shit jobs for shit money and live in tiny little houses, maybe, you know, 12 of us. Because eventually we got my cousins out and we all lived in a tiny little house where there were more cockroaches than any other thing. And a raccoon in the attic, as I remember. And, um, and that was not a fun life. So in my mind... You know, Castro was the devil incarnate, but I'm a journalist, and it doesn't matter and given the opportunity to go interview castro or 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 Franco, or oh, not james Franco, Franco Spain uh, <laughs> or any other world leader or despot, I'm going to do it. But I remember before going on the interview, and I should share this with you, and this made the interview doubly hard the Associated Press ran a story on the fact that I was going to go to Cuba. And they came up with an old quote where I was once asked what it was like to grow up as a Cuban kid in Miami. And I said, well, if you're a Cuban kid in Miami, you always grow up with your parents telling you how Castro's a really bad guy. And because they tell you Castro's a bad guy, you almost, I remember when I was a tiny little boy, like three, maybe four or five years old. And I would see my mom sad and crying because we had no money and life was difficult and we were immigrants and and i would say to her mom don't you worry mom i'm going to take i'm going to go to cuba one day and i'm going to kill fidel castro i'm going to kill him for you so we can go back and you can have your house mom i love you mom and that's what i would say to my mother And I shared that once with somebody as if to say, when we were little boys, we would say that to our moms. It didn't mean I was an assassin. It just meant I was saying to my mom, I'm going to make you feel good, mom. Don't worry. Just like any little kid would say that to their mother. And I said that to her. And one day I told that story and this journalist with the associated press picked up on that story. And this dumb asshole, Actually, wrote a story that said, anchor and reporter planning to visit Castro once discussed plans to kill Fidel Castro. What? Like what? I mean, he he totally right. I mean, what? Are you kidding me? No, and and he wrote that in the Associated Press. Well, guess what? Didn't he know where you were going? Exactly. So the Cuban government picks up on this and I'm thinking, that's it. My, my trip's canceled. I'm about to, you know, the visa has been canceled, stamped, denied. I'm not going to make this trip to Cuba. And this is all going to hell in a handbasket. Right. But somehow, somehow, you know, the people at NBC and everybody was able to work it out. And I was still able to make the trip. Now, remember, I'm a worm. That's what they call people who left the island in the 19, early 1960s, like my parents did. They call us gusanos, you know, gusano, <laughs> somebody who's a worm. They leave. They, they're they cowards. They're like the rats leaving a ship that's sinking, whatever. So, you know, so they didn't trust me. They didn't like me to begin with. But now they read in a newspaper that I'm going there to assassinate Fidel Castro. Oh. You can only imagine, right? So after we explained oh. to them, this is stupid and it didn't matter. And it's all it was. Finally, they ma- they allow me to make the trip. And I get to be one of the few people in the world who gets to sit in front of Fidel Castro. So I go into this building after we arrive in Havana and we make ourselves to this old home, I guess, where, you know, the rich Cubans used to live or something. And I um, I go into this house and this is where the interview is going to take place. And they've built like a little, you know, like a little setting there for Castro. And I'm figuring I'm going to go right there. And there were two other journalists. One was from, one was from Italy and the other one was from Japan. The three of us were going to sit in front of Fidel Castro and interview him. And he, he had a lot to say at the time because this is when the United States was doing this thing with Radio Marti and they were doing mm-hmm. balloons and they were going to drown out Castro and hit him. And Castro said, you do that to me. I'm going to drown out every radio station in the eastern United States because I'm going to send a signal that's going to, I don't know, you 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 remember that, Scotty. You, you grew up in radio, right? Yes. Yeah. And all the radio, de- uh, the, the general managers and all the owners of all the radio stations in the United right. States were going, don't do it because, my yeah. God, they, he, this guy will put us off the air in the next day. And, 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 and it was a big story. Mm-hmm. It was a big story. And not to mention Gorbachev, who I also interviewed, was saying he was going to pull everything out of Cuba. Cuba was going to literally be in big trouble. And Castro was pissed and he just wanted to talk. So he, I think his need to talk superseded their fear of me. So they let me go and do this interview. And here's what happened. When I came in, the other two journalists were allowed to go right into the hall to sit and wait for Mr. Comandante to arrive. They took me into another room and they asked me to take off all of my clothes. And I thought, well, yeah, I'll take off my shirt and I'll take off my pants. Maybe this is routine. They want to make sure I don't have a gun. I don't have a bomb. I don't have know. After all, everybody wants to assassinate Fidel Castro. Hell, the CIA had already tried 52 times. So, you know, I was probably a plant. Maybe I was a CIA guy and I take off my shirt. I take off my pants feeling kind of stupid and they're looking me over. And then the guy says, take off your underwear, too. And I'm like, uh. It's a little weird, but what the hell am I going to say? Right. I mean, what, 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 what am I going to do? Call the LCLU? You know, I mean, uh, (laughs) I mean, what, 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 okay. I took off my pants. I'm thinking, okay, see, I got nothing here. Right. I got nothing. Right. I go, no, bend over. Yeah. Bend over. And uh, I thought, what the fuck? And uh, I bent over. And, uh, they, uh, prodded me, um, to say the least. And when they were certain that they, that I didn't have something stuck inside of me that I was somehow going to, you know, I don't know, poop out or stake out. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they were thinking, but <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um, then I was able to put on my clothes and. I know this sounds tough, doesn't it? It sounds a little disgusting. It sounds like they
2: almost wanted you to be more demoralized there because what are you going to do? Take your pants off the middle of the interview?
0: Well, it kind of worked, man, because by the time I got in front of Castro, I was like, you know, when this guy walks into the room, all six foot four of him with his, you know, gorilla outfit on. um, And I mean, gorilla as in fatigues not yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun <laughs> that would be amazing if all of a sudden he walked in wearing a gorilla suit a gorilla suit yeah no he, he dressed in those gorilla fatigues and uh, oh, he's boy. got his gun and his holster and his beard and wow i was like i was like wow this is the guy man i mean can you imagine in in, in some ways this is a lot like i don't know think of any other historical person Right and and negatively. I mean, think you're you know you're, right. you're in front of John Wilkes Booth. You're in front of Stalin. Uh, I don't know. You're in front of uh, well, Hitler. Whoever, yeah, <laughs> Hitler. I mean, yeah, for you, right? You're- yeah, no, you were brought up in the Hitler. Uh, Castro was Hitler. I mean, yeah. I'm
2: not comparing one yes, yeah. is worse or not, but that's what it was.
0: You he, hate he's the, him. He's the guy who killed your uncles, right. and he's the guy who. Who took over our country, and he's Correct. the guy who? Look, and whether you, I know there's different opinions now. No. Politics is a strange thing, but in my mind, the way I grew up, that's right. what it was. And so when there's no nuance there, out, he's an evil guy. You got it. it. It was it was that thing. It was that thing. And and you know, look, I went on to interview uh, Gorbachev, and I went on to interview Clinton and Carter and Reagan, and uh, I've had a hell of a career. I've I've done some pretty amazing things and met. A lot of people but nothing nothing will ever come close to what it's like when you're a little boy and you're believing all these things and you're afraid of this man and suddenly you get an opportunity to stand in front of him as a journalist and you have to find your wits about you so that you can come out with a question and ask him questions and be a part of this discussion with this guy while you were kind of holding your nose the whole time and soon after soon after the interview. uh they, they immediately like unstamped my visa and uh, took me to the airport and I was gone and I filed the report and, and, and that was it. But the, the general, the, the, the larger point I'm making is when I read this story about James Franco and the story about Castro and the story about how they're bringing in coaches and people to train Castro, about, train Franco about who Castro was. And how to get him the right latino or in this case cuban accent or dialect just like they did with uh in in scarface with uh with uh pacino uh, pacino right because i remember everybody said well he sounds like an italian that's not a cute talk <laughs> and and i just hope that franco can kind of pull it off because those of us who live this it's so close to us it's mm. so important for us it's so you know, when, 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 when you're a Latino or when you're anybody and they touch something, which is a touchstone, good, bad, or indifferent, we get that thing. And it's like, that's so close to us. Be careful what you do there. You know, you can't play him as a good guy because it'll piss us off. You can't play him as an ignorant guy because that'll piss us off. You can't, I mean, you, you better, you better play this right, or it's going to be a laughingstock. And maybe Deep down, the advice I would give to the people who I think have miscast James Franco, if they have, is that casting could derail what looks like a good movie. Ooh. You know, if he, if he screws that roll up, that's all people are going to be talking about. You know, this, this, this Italian actor with a questionable past um, yeah. was given a role he couldn't handle. And he screwed it up, and that's all people are going to be talking about because, man, imagine playing Abraham Lincoln, imagine playing George Washington, and play, imagine playing John F. Kennedy or Ronald Reagan. I mean, that, that's the you know, you can do it, but it's, it's got to be
2: right, it's got to be right, you, it's got to be right, especially some somebody like this who's still has people alive that were affected by his legacy. You know, one thing about Lincoln nobody knows what Lincoln actually sounded like. I mean, we have historians, sure, but. Man, there are people like you just said are actually touched and affected, and had to uproot and leave their homes, and died, and everything else, and sat through those
0: one-hour long—that's what I'm saying, three-hour-long speeches. So
2: we, you you we, better hit it. You better hit it dead on, and better not making too uh, too happy fluff. Yeah. Oh, you know this Castro guy wasn't so bad after all. <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: but and we like know, you said, and we know, we know that raspiness. You know, yes, porque la revolución you should do it, Rick. Para nosotros estamos aquí. Uh, you know, he, he had that 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 like man, clear throat. Uh, but but it for some reason it was very, very effective for him. And I mean, I know it, and I'll take it to yeah. my grave, and so will most of us who grew up in South Florida because it was a part of who we were. I don't know if James Franco can be taught that, and then add to that and scotty you know more about this than i do but mm-hmm. i was just you and i were talking about this and like you and i talk about everything um i was just reading that franco came out and copped to what he did and said i'm sorry i have yeah. been in hiding but i'm going to come forward now and admit to the fact that he paid a settlement you know, he did it's a settlement
2: yeah, over two million dollars. he paid a settlement to basically everybody just kind of walk away and
0: uh you know, all these and they were they were like not little girls uh, but they were young no, women. they
2: were they were they were young ladies as far as in their early 20s now there is one allegation there is a claim with uh a screenshots of a, a instagram dm where he started a direct message where he started talking to a girl she was 17 at the time she said i'm almost 18 and he kept kind of pushing forward and she released those. Nothing was ever materialized out of it. But the fact that he was Ugh. in contact with. Right. So it adds to the thing. And, you know, he's lost a lot of best, a lot of friends. And, you know, guys like Seth Rogen, who's, you know, one of the biggest he names. Ghosted comedic- him, right?
0: He, he, he go- Seth ghosted, Rogen he just, ghosted him and he was his best friend. He's, he knew this guy was
2: problematic. And here's a guy, Seth Rogen, who's, you know, he's a raunchy comedian, writer. He doesn't pull back from things. But this he's like, look, I'm not a predator. What you're doing is predatorial right. behavior. Yes. And, you know. Uh, so, I, so I'm very to me, the fact that he's casted in this, it's his first movie that he's been casted in since all this has happened.
0: Yeah, he's Imagine. been he's been he's he's being cast in a controversial role and he brings to it a hell yeah. of a lot of controversy. And that combination in and of itself is a little weird. I I look no bad press is good press. Or I mean, bad press or good I, press? Is that a here's thing? what I don't want? I don't want him to suddenly lose this role because of this. But I also don't think we can avoid talking about this. You know, I he he if 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 what he did was he was a scoundrel and he took advantage of young women mm-hmm. and he now admits to it and he settled it and I don't think that you you know essentially can't go on with your life if he's realized that he was doing something very wrong, it's not for me to say. If those women think it was really wrong and they come forward, then I think it's a different story.
2: I don't know. But I, think every, had, I, I think everybody... Well, he said smart. it
0: was consent.
2: It wasn't it consensual? Uh, that I don't know the details of. I mean, the fact that he had a $2 million settlement to these girls, I mean, how consensual? Yeah. I don't know. But the Maybe. other thing is, man, everybody... Well, I'll tell you this.
0: I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. If, if that one really was not... Eighteen, and she was a minor and he continued after learning that she was a minor then my opinion changes drastically and i think he has uh, a bigger problem on his hands and bigger fish to fry than the controversy over fidel castro the,
2: the where place i difference different from you on this is what i was trying to say is everybody's sorry when they get caught Why aren't you sorry on your own? Hey, look, guys, before this, you know, this is not going to come out, but I'm going to come out and say I was an asshole. I I use predatory behavior to to, to prey on weakling women that looked up to me and use my power to try to. But how do you
0: how do you know he didn't? I mean, because he came
2: out. It was when it all came rumbling out that he saw all of a sudden sorry. It took his friends to leave him for him to be sorry. So he just lost everything. Now he's sorry. And I'm sorry. But behavior like that is not an accident. If you get in a car accident, if you if if something there's something that's an accident, that's man, that's that keeps happening. That's not an accident. I'm sorry. That's who you are as a person. And if you're willing to treat women like that with a power, I'm. uh, I don't know. That's that's just that's just. Here here
0: I here I am trying to not beat the guy up because I will. I will. And you, yeah, you know
2: what? And there's a difference, Rick. And here's the other thing I want to point out: there's a difference between cancel culture and accountability culture. We need to differentiate between the two, because if you're out being a predator, that's not canceled. That's being held accountable now.
0: No, right. Society has a right to make its rules and then hold you accountable to those rules. We do it all the time. We've done it since the first caveman existed, I imagine. Before social
2: media, before all this other stuff that it's been going on forever. Animals do it. That's right. They decide
0: do. who's going to be in their tribe. You're out, yes. man. Sorry. You're out. Goodbye. You no, know, we, we have to live by a set of rules and you're going to not. Live I'm by gonna
2: cha- rules? I'm going to challenge the alpha because now I think I'm the alpha and, and, you, can, and, and, and then- you could
0: you could maybe work your way back in. And I was trying to make the argument that maybe we ought to allow Franco to work his way back in. And maybe this is the beginning of it, but you know, possibly no, <laughs> listen, possibly, but yeah, yeah, this is this is a- I
2: say I say they get rid of Franco. Go get Pedro Pascal. He's the uh, the, the Chilean act uh, Chilean actor rather from uh, Mandalorian. He was in Narcos, uh, 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 he's in a ton of things. If you look at the guy from a, just a structure standpoint, he's Castro. And from an acting standpoint, I think he's right up there with Franco. Franco's a great actor, don't get me wrong, but I don't yeah. know. I think I, I think you go with Pedro Pascal. That's who by the I way, that, let me- That's my vote, by the way.
0: I'm Googling. John Adrian? Franco, height because Castro was 5'11, oh, I think. 5'10. Five
2: 5'10. Five
0: there it is. Okay. So he's 5'10. He's going to play uh,
2: it. It's, 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 I mean, I, on, know, that's I know. Movie magic. Have you ever seen Pacino in real life?
0: Yeah, I know. I know. How uh, about Stallone? <laughs> Stallone's like 5'7. Exactly. You know, and I mean, he's, he's a heavyweight me. boxer. <laughs>
2: right. I mean, come on.
0: <laughs> and uh, and uh, yeah. Well, listen, uh, this is a very important story for. Yes. Uh, most Latinos who are suddenly seeing this reaction, even Mm. a certain level of infighting, because there are Latinos who are saying, look, this is a good movie and we shouldn't be attacking this movie. And yes, as I said, you know, um, Alina Fernandez herself, who, like I said, has always been a good friend to me, has come forward and said, we've done everything possible to make this a good movie. The fact that don't let the fact that Franco was cast as my father suddenly turn this into an anti-Latino movie, which it's not, which it's yeah. not. So I, I think it's important still. This is why we have this show. This is why we do Wix Sanchez news. This is why Agua media exists because there's no other place where you're going to have these full throated conversations about this very thing that guys like me and Scotty have been talking about forever because we've grown up in communities where people talk about this in the so-called mainstream media or whatever the hell you want to call it I think it's more like a corporatized media yeah these Latino insights these conversation these Latino truths aren't discussed Mm. therefore they don't even exist we make sure they do and that's why we do this podcast and it's called Rick Sanchez News. And you could find it on Spotify or on Apple or wherever you get your podcast and you could tell your friends this now exists. Nobody else is doing this. Nobody else is doing this type of thing. And that's why I want to do this. And if you're listening to us by the way, por favor, do us a favor, subscribe. Agua